Hello, dental online trainers. This is Dr. Dennis Hartley. Welcome to another episode of DOT Sharecast. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the conversation. Hello, dental online trainers. I'm Dr. Dennis Hartlieb, and welcome back for another of our sharecasts from Dental Online Training. Per usual, I am in my bunker in my basement. Uh, you know, we found this during COVID, and it continues to be used for this great uh, experience of having these nice conversations with, with our guests for our sharecast. Now, some of you may be new to our sharecast, and you might be wondering, what is a sharecast? Well, if you're like me, uh, you enjoy the podcast, and I have, a, I have a long commute to work every day, and I really enjoy listening to others as they talk about their experiences and all. And I thought, you know, what they're really doing is they're sharing, and so that's why I decided to call this a sharecast instead of just sort of a podcast. Um, the, the imperative thing for me with this sharecast is that our guests who are with us um, share. They share information that they've gained over their years of either practicing dentistry or working with those groups, uh, either in management or other functions. And they share their experiences over the years and they share it so that you can bring this information, you can take this information and bring it right to the office on Monday morning or whatever day you're listening to this. So on today's program, I am excited to bring back a guest that we've had previously to the show. Uh, this is Jerry Gottlieb of GG Consulting. Hello, Jerry. Hi, thank you. So you might think that GG Consulting is for Jerry Gottlieb, but it's actually for Get Going, or maybe it's get, for both. Get Growing. Get Growing, I'm sorry, Get Growing. I knew that, <laughs> I, I just, I just, I just, I just muffed the, yeah, I muffed that one. <laughs> get, get Growing, but it could be Get Going also. It could get be going both. Growing. You could call yeah. it Triple G, Get Going Growing. <laughs> right, there you go, you can yes. use that. You can use that. I'm totally gonna, thank you so much, Dennis. Like, you've already shared with me this morning, now I get to, you know, reinvent. <laughs> Perfect. Listen to, uh, before we start talking um, about the information today, Jerry, give us a little background. Uh, for, for those who don't know Jerry, when we spoke to her, she has this really wonderful boutique consulting firm. Uh, she's not one of these nationally branded firms that's going to have thousands of clients. They, uh, they have a much different concept. So Jerry, share with us what you, what you and, uh, and your, your peeps do. Well, we, we help grow and develop leaders, teams, and dental practices. Um, and we pretty much do it in that order. Um, from, from the time I was about 18 years old, my, my why, my reason, the thing I wanted to do was to help people grow and develop, improve communication, improve relationships. Um, fast forward, it just happened to end up in an industry I never anticipated, which was dentistry. And uh, I fell in love with dentistry about 29 years ago now. I hate to that ages me a lot. Um, but, and, and, and it just transformed. I, I started off as an assistant. I went quickly into the administrative side and as a practice manager and a practice administrator. And I literally fell in love with dentistry and the business of it. But I could see... Um, really the need for growing and developing our doctors and then the teams as leaders and improving communication and how could we make this more enjoyable and fun, you know, beyond just what we do for patients in changing their lives, you know, with, with dentistry. Um, 
fast forward from there, I thought I had learned all I could possibly learn and know about dentistry and about running a dental practice and launched into the world of consulting and coaching. Um, around that same time, I, so I should say, you know, my, de my degree pursuit was in music and psychology. Mm. Uh, and, and I had planned to go into child development uh, focus with a focus on teen girls. Oh, interesting. And women. Mm -hmm. And um, so I went back to get a master's thinking I needed to do something bigger, more, would have a broader reach or impact, and, but fell into coaching and consulting. Around that same time, I met and married my now husband, uh, who is a periodontist gotcha. and owned owner of two large and successful perio practices. And I quickly realized that I didn't know anything about anything hmm. and that there's a huge difference between being on the team and even leading the team and a practice and actually owning a practice and being the dentist and the owner. Right, which is a whole different perspective. Whole different perspective. And I knew that my coaching or consulting had to really encompass both of those sides that, because there was definitely two sides to this. And um, it was quite an awakening, really. And um, I started off on my own. Think I can do this. Sure. <laughs> yeah, like, we, we, I think we all, right, we all have these great, great, great. Right. You come out of dental school and you're like, I can do That's this. That's what's so hard about this. Exactly. Sure. Uh, I quickly realized I needed some more growth and development myself. Um, I went to work for a large coaching company or a larger mm -hmm. coaching company with ACT Dental, practice management coaching sure. you're familiar with. And um, it, it allowed me uh, just really the opportunity for, I was with them for about five years to truly grow and really get clear about how I, Jerry, wanted to coach mm -hmm. and work with teams, which led me to launching my own coaching, um, which is Gigi, Practice Coaching and Development. And I knew that the vision for that is truly to keep it small, to keep it yep. boutique. I spend, as you know, Dennis, I spend a lot of time really one-on-one -on -one with both my doctors the team, anybody that is, wants to be invested in growing and developing not only themselves, but where they work and really enjoying that process. Sure. And for me, that meant I can't carry too many clients at one time. Right. Or I can't coach that way and really have an impact. So well, it's somewhat like a dental practice. You know, you have to sort of decide which avenue you're going to go. Are you going to go yeah. high volume or are you going to go into you know, doing more um, higher quality dentistry, which is going to limit the volume of patients that you're going to be able to see. So right. you, have to, you have to choose a path when you're going down these routes. Yeah. You know, in talking to young dentists, many believe that they can do both, that they can do high volume and do super high quality. Mm -hmm. I, 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 don't, I don't know that that's possible. Certainly there's someone out there who could prove me wrong. Yeah. But I, I, the analogy that I use is that, look, there are, uh, there are many different types of hotel chains, all of them obviously suffering now, but you have like a Rich Carlton or Four Seasons. Mm -hmm. They're going to have a much higher fee. They're going to have a much higher uh, experience for their consumer. 
than, uh, you know, an equally, you know, a, a pleasant hotel, Marriott or something like that, but they're driven by volume. Right. And you can't do both at the same time, right? The Marriott's not going to do high volume and do high quality, high touch, high feel. Right. Um, so I think you have to pick what you're going to do because otherwise you get stuck in the middle ground and you're going to make the, you're not going to be able to attract the high end and you're going to sort of piss off the other, the, uh, the high, vo- you know, the high volume by charging yeah. too much. So yeah. you got to pick, you got to pick your path, right? You got to pick a yeah. road. Absolutely. Right. One of the things you talked about, you said uh, you had this child, childhood um, education experience, which I would think is probably really helpful when you're talking to dentists. Is that true? Uh, it is true. I think, <laughs> and you know, I love my dentist immensely or I wouldn't, wouldn't be in, still here because I could take what GG Practice Coaching and Development does. Um, and if you'll notice, we intentionally uh, left out the word dentistry. I did that because I love dentistry and that is my lane, right? It's what I know. But developing people is also what I know and the psychology of that and the development. And so I want to make sure that we are available to maybe even other people in our industry. So maybe a a marketing company who has a team and struggles with leadership, right? I could help them also. As we talk to our team members, we've, we've tried to help them understand that dentistry, we as dentists in the dental community, we're in the service industry. Yeah. You know, our service happens to be dentistry, but we're in yeah. the service and industry. And we're also in the hospitality industry, yep. right? So service is sort of like giving them the goods. The hospitality is how did they feel when you gave them the goods? Thank you. Right? Exactly. How did so, they feel? Yeah, so that, that crosses dental lines. And so when we, when we talk to our team, very often we're not talking in dental terms and we're not talking necessarily about patients. We're talking about consumers and how consumers think and how consumers react. Yeah. So I think, that's really, I think that's a really valid point that you bring up about how you have focused GG Consulting because you're right, it's not just about dentists because these are common threads that run through all industries that are in service and hospitality. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So in our previous conversations, our first conversation was you, you talk about how dentists, uh, and, and by the way, I love the fact that you start out talking about the dentist as a leader. Mm-hmm. And, and Jerry, when you and I first, first met, that was sort of what really uh, engaged me in our conversation is that mm-hmm. you understand that it's from the top down. Yeah. And how many consulting companies actually sort of skip the dentist as the, the leader and go right to the team and try to affect the issues with team without having the leader uh, part of that. What, 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 what has been your experience? Well, my experience is, I mean, there are other coaching and consulting groups out there that actually do focus, you know, a lot on leadership, but I don't think they do it quite the same way with the same intention um, and deliberate intention that I do and that my now associate Kim, you know, where we focus um, so often what I actually find is that we want to, we as a consulting group, skip some of, most of that process, go right to the team and right to let's fix the problems right. that mm-hmm. our dentists are facing. Yep. The problem with that is like putting a Band-Aid on, but we don't know why we keep getting this, the wound. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right? So it all goes back to leadership with the under, no matter what, if you're an owner, if you're a business owner. I'm a business owner. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, like it or not, 
I'm the leader. Right. And that doesn't mean I do everything. That right. doesn't mean, but it, it, it does mean I model and show and lead by example everything. Well, that's what we talked about in the first, our first share cast was defining your practice culture. Because I think that very often in dental practices, and I've been, I've been guilty of this also, that there can be an unclear vision, um, culture vision for the team. Yeah. And so it sort of gets made up then because the dentist hasn't sort of directed this, a clear understanding, right? Exactly. And, or, I mean, I think um, if, if you don't mind, so with, over this COVID break, some of the work that you and I and, and your partner were doing, I think that's one of the questions I even asked you know, him was, yep. um, so I get the vision. I hear it. I know the level at which you want this to feel and look like. Right. And I, I, I want that too. And you're saying they don't this and they don't that and they don't get it. And, and I'm like, do you model it? Right. How yes. would they know? Because we can say, I want this to look like this. Mm-hmm. Yes. Now, but I can interpret what you just said in my way and with my experiences in life, and you're going to interpret it your way and with your experiences, they might not be the same. Sure. Yep. So what am I looking for? I'm looking to you to show me what you mean. Yep. Show me what you're saying. So you got to define it, right? You got to be clear. You got to vocalize what it is, and then you have to demonstrate it. You have to model it, as you say, model the behavior. So there's no, there's, uh, there's no misunderstanding, right? This is, yep. this is what we said, and this is how we're demonstrating that from the top down, right? Absolutely. So you got to see it from the leadership level. Absolutely. Top down. And it, yeah, and it's hard. It's a hard thing. Sure. Most of you, this is what I've really learned and understood and understand. Um, and then I t- have taken adult learning too. So I had this early education stuff, but now taking how adults learn. Mm-hmm. Um, you're, most of you, you being dentists, are wired very differently. And you're why the reason you even are dentists is because you have a diff, that mindset and that a scientific brain or whatever sure. it is that makes you think, yeah, I want to tinker in somebody's mouth and do these little, these little things. That's not usually that person that's like, I want to see what's happening out here and lead these people and have meetings and communicate. So. Right. Those are things we have to learn and practice. Well, in our second episode, we talked about how to define your core values. Mm-hmm. So after you understand your culture, now it's about sort of dialing in and talk about the core values, but then, yeah. then just sort of continues on into understanding how to be a stronger leader and how to model the behaviors. So defining the behaviors that you expect to see and then modeling those. Yeah. So then everyone is held accountable. We, right. had, a staff, we had a staff meeting yesterday and at the conclusion, uh, we talked about one of the concerns that our team has had is that they feel that the communication is poor from the doctors down to the rest of the team. Mm. It's, it's unclear and it's inconsistent. And, and I thank them for sharing that. And what I, um, what I explained to them was that it's a two-way street, though, because the problem is, is that we think we're being perfectly clear. Right. We think that we are being consistent. And the only way for us not, for, the only way for us to understand that we are not being clear or not being consistent is for them to tell us that. So the communication's got to go both ways. So yep. if we, and I, I, I beg them, please, if you find that we are not communicating clearly, please come tell us that you're not understanding or you're seeing that there's 
um, inconsistencies in what we're trying, what we're communicating, or we're not communicating it at all. Because the, I think the reality is, uh, as a practicing dentist, you know, we're busy doing dentistry. We're busy, you know, communicating with our lab. We're busy doing this. We're busy doing that. And so we may have thought that we communicated or we may have thought we communicated clearly. Uh, but in my practice, apparently, we're not communicating as clearly as we need to be. And so I'm asking the team to partner with us and, and to make sure that we are communicating clearly. And this is based on a lot of stuff that you know talk about. Over and over. So when, let's. So I want to make sure that it's clear that I don't just focus that the doctor needs to be the leader and communicate clearly all the time. Yes. And the team has that same exact responsibility. The onus is not just on the doctor or the owner, the business owner. It starts and stops there, right? You can't yep. abdicate that and not, well, you can. But right. then you get, that's where we get frustrated and then we, things break down in the practice. But I, as you know, we, I, I work tirelessly with the team to say, no, 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 no. We're not going to point fingers and say it's all on the doctor. This communication and including leadership starts with you also. It takes oh. a lot of courage for the team members to do that. I mean, yes. you know, it, it seems easy. Um, but if it is, if it was easy, everyone would do it, but it takes a tremendous amount of courage for, you know, look, I'm in my, my mid to late fifties and say, I have a dental assistant that's in her early twenties. Um, I think at, I think anyone there, there is a hierarchy as much as we try not to make it hierarchical in the dental practice that we're a team. The reality is that it is a hierarchy and it's, and it's challenging for those who are, you know, below grade to, to stand up and speak for themselves. We're, we're working hard at it, but it is really a challenge to help people feel courageous and yeah. that to feel that there's not going to be uh, repercussions for speaking, speaking honestly and truthfully. Yeah. But we, we are working hard at that, but it is, it's a challenge and I understand that and I get it because if I was 20 years old and I was into a business, I would, ha I would also be challenged even if the owner or the CEO said, come talk to me with your troubles, yeah. I, I'd still be challenged. And I'm a pretty, you know, I, I'm, I will talk about distyles soon. I'm a, I'm a D, I'm a driver, but I would still be challenged by that. Absolutely. And Dennis, that really goes back to my why. And even at 18 years old, where I knew like, age doesn't matter. <laughs> Position or status in a business or practice or Society doesn't matter. We have to be able to communicate right. and we have a voice and we have thoughts and we have experiences that someone else hasn't regardless of their education or, or status level. So you talked about that hierarchy, yep. right? Dentist, assistant, dentist, you know, uh, admin, yep. um, and giving them that voice, give, helping them develop that courage. Because like when, when we all get better at leadership, everything gets better. When we get better at communication, everything gets better. And it's, it's not a, something you learn and then you're done. It's a constant work in progress. You know, and it's true. It's not, and as you said, this is not just about dentistry. When you, when you start getting better at communication, then your relationships outside of dentistry also improve. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Absolutely. And it's all the way through. So, uh, you know, um, so we're about three weeks from getting back into the dental practice uh, from, from COVID. And I know you've worked extensively with your teams yeah. uh, re regarding that. Mm -hmm. The thing I'd like to talk about today 
is we, we've talked about you know the the culture of the practice and the core values of the practice yeah. now now it's time now to start working with your team right yeah. one of the things that you encouraged us to do art um, dr ching and myself chris and myself is because we had to furlough all of our team members because yeah. of the, the 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 delay in getting back you you encouraged us to actually re-interview them back for their positions. And yeah. I tell you, that, that was invaluable advice. And I wish I could have shared this with our dental online trainers sooner, but I do want to come back to that in a second because I thought it was great advice. And I, wanna, I want to know where, where did you come up with that? How did you think of that? What, where, what was the process that said, this is, this is how we should be handling this? Well, that's a great question. Um, so of the nine plus teams that we work with, um, every one of you was in the same boat, right? You all had to lay off or furlough your teams. You all had to look at what does life look like when we come back? Right. During that whole time that we were in shutdown, every one of you was taking a look and stepping back. And or at least I was encouraging you to take a look and step mm -hmm. back when you thought about where you were still struggling in the practice, where you still had some discomfort or discourse or where you weren't quite happy with where things were, I was like, we can either do one of two things during this. We can shut down and then just come back right where we were with the same sure. frustrations, the same whatever. Yep. Or we can step back and take a look and go, I, I actually can look at this like I'm, I'm coming into a brand new practice. I've just bought this practice. Now I get to make it truly what I want. And that vision that we talked about, those core values that we talked about, if they haven't been exhibited or lived out in our practices, now's the time we can make the shift. Right. But to do that, we, we can't take, it's kind of like remodeling, right? You can't take all the stuff out. So us and being the stuff. Right. And, and then put it all nice and then put all the uh, same stuff back in, expecting it to actually be different. Right. That's a, that's a great analogy. I hadn't thought of that, but you're absolutely right. So that's sort of how my wheels started turning around all this. I said, well, you have an opportunity. If you could be honest with yourselves and honest with the scenario, your core values, all of those things, is everybody that you have on your team right are they in the right position first of all and i know we're going to talk some stuff about that later because yep. most oft, so often they're not yep. and so by no fault of their own Correct. Um, are they doing the jobs and and are the jobs defined do we know what we're supposed to be doing and right. what level of expectation we're supposed to be performing at do we as business owners have what we need in place right if not you have the perfect opportunity during this shutdown time to make it so, or to at least do your best attempt. So I said to me, let's, how do you do that? You start over yeah. and you start over with the same interview people. That's your first pool of interviewees, right? And you invite your team back, but not back the way it was. You know, in the, uh, in the sales industry, in the sales world, Someone will be a, say, let's say they're a great salesperson. They, they're really able to, to turn, the, turn the sales. 
And what will commonly happen is those salespeople, because they're such great, great salespeople, they will be promoted into a management role. Right. And some of them succeed, but many of them do not because their strengths are actually the person-to-person sales yep. and not in the management of others and trying to train them to be like them. Yeah. And I think in dentistry, we probably have the same problem, right? We have a great cheerside dental assistant. You're awesome, right? Let's get you up into a different role so you can have that awesomeness up there because we need that. But they, they struggle. Maybe we have an, you know, someone in the administrative area and say, well, we have an office manager position open. Let's bump you up to office manager. Well, because it's easier, right? It's, it's easier to do that than it is to go through the interviewing and hiring process and then no training somebody and onboarding. It's, we want to reward people who have been loyal and do a really good job. Right. Um, but I, I've learned myself that being a doer mm-hmm. <laughs> doesn't necessarily make me a good leader or a good right. manager or a good trainer or a good coach exactly. you know, for that matter. Yep. Yeah, so it was really, I think it was very helpful for us. And we actually made uh, several changes in our practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, one person we, we did not rehire. Mm-hmm. And then a couple of others we spoke to and reassigned, asked them to take an assignment at a different position. Yeah. And neither of those positions were sort of a lateral move. Both positions were sort of a step. You know, if you're going to look at a hierarchy in a practice, they were probably a step down. Uh, but we, we reached out to these, these team members and talked about what the values are of the practice, what, what they've committed to, if they truly do believe in the practice, then these are the, the limitations that we've seen in their skills as we've been asking them to, to do their roles. And we believe that they would be better suited to a different role. Mm-hmm. It, it was difficult conversations. Um, I'm, we're, we're still seeing how things play out. But I thought it was a great process to go through. Uh, and I think the challenge then is, is to get the team members to also understand why, why they're good at the role that they were at, but maybe why they weren't good and help them understand. They, may have, they, they should have more happiness, more sense of uh, success mm-hmm. if they're in a role that's better suited for them. Even right. if it means that they're stepping down into a different role, right? Have you cha- have you seen that as challenges in other practices besides ours? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I will say that you more generously than some offered that different role as an option versus I'm just not bringing you back and I'm starting over from scratch. Um, it takes a, a tremendous amount of of courage and bravery. Number one, to do what you and Chris. Did, even if though I suggested it. <laughs> I suggested it for everybody, right? I I re I took time in my own business to reevaluate, reinvent. What does this look like? I got to get really clear, have some tough conversations with the associate that I had hired. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but but then equally brave and courageous for uh, someone to, to take a, a, a demotion, so to speak. Mm-hmm, I don't like mm-hmm. to use that word because I, I though there is a hierarchy and I, I understand that and I get that and there needs to be on, to some degree. I also believe that every single role in the practice is like a wheel and there's none of us are, we are all so important. Yep. Every role in that practice is important. Um, especially if that person or the persons what is their why why are they there 
Right. Why that's do a, they that's work a great point. Dentistry? Why do they work at your practice or this practice? Why are they wanting to have this job here? Yes. And so then if, if their why is, you know, about serving others, about the love of dentistry or the, about the love of, of growing and developing people, whatever it is, then does it actually truly matter what your job title, title. is? Right. Can yes. you do that in a different function where you actually can use your strengths and talents that you have and be more fulfilled doing it instead of trying to do a role that you aren't necessarily ready to have or have the skill set to have um, and be frustrated and or have your employers disappointed and which makes you feel terrible. Right. Right. So yeah, the, the ego is a funny thing, right? The ego <laughs> doesn't want to get hurt by, you know, constant criticism or, or, you know, non-positive, you know, reinforcement. But the ego then still says, I want that title. So yeah. it's, it's a struggle between I want the title and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to continue to take this, this bad news and this disappointing conversations because my ego is so strong about a title. And that's a, that's a real challenge, I think, for, I think for everybody. You know, this yeah. is not just in you know, the dental hierarchy. It's for dentists. It's for every person has this ego that they have to be challenged by and yeah, how they're going to fit in. Yeah, absolutely. And we just took a lot of time. I've taken a lot of time, not, not only with your team, but then my other teams, when, the, if, when they went through this same process of really deconstructing the roles and even right. deconstructing, like, even what we think about, like as an office manager, if I asked an office manager, what, tell me what you love mm -hmm. about your job. If all of their answers are, I love talking to the patients and I love doing this with the patients and I love, you know, this. What about these parts of, of office management? Do you love any of those parts? Right. Oh, I mean, I like them. I, I like to do these tasks, mm -hmm. but you're not passionate about that. Right. You're probably not in the right role. Right. Right. Because your passion should be about leading people, right? It should yeah, be. and growing and develop them, whether they are the patients or whether they're your team. But if that's truly your passion, or if you're like, you know what I love? I love data. Right. But you know what I love about data? I love to look at the data and report on the numbers and encourage my team. Right, right. With those numbers. Right. Great. Let me have you looking at the data instead of, you know, doing something else where you're not. So this is I, what what why the reason I brought this up is that for those dentists who are listening or watching this now or reading this, it's not too late to do this process. So no. even though you've rehired your team back, you can take that pause and say, you know, is this the practice that I want? And you can say, look, I want to re-interview my team and make sure that these are the right people that I want. Because it, it isn't like the time passed, right? We found a good time to do it, but yeah. you can do it right now if you feel like you're stressed or you're not happy by the performance of the team and yeah. you feel like you're doing the leadership things that you need to do, you can start that today, correct? Absolutely. I, I have one doctor who just about a week ago, I mean, they're back to work also, right? He said, you know, I realized something that just based on these same similar conversations, he said, it started off as mine. <laughs> it started mm -hmm. off as my vision and my practice. And, but I, I 
I let go of a lot of things that I wanted and wanted to believe in and how I wanted to practice. One of them being, being fee for service because my team or a well-intended office manager or any of those things said we needed to do something different. Right. That the reason we were struggling over here was because we needed to do this or we needed right. to do that. And so I would, right. And as you, as a dentist, you know, so rather than fight that, you're yep. like, okay. You know, and plus you, I know that as much as you know, and as smart as you are, you think, well, I don't really know what goes on up there. At the, so Absolutely. maybe they're right. You know, maybe, Absolutely. maybe Susie's right. Maybe we should, you know, accept assignment of benefits and become, you know, so he said, but I like, wait, I let them take over the, it's not my practice. Right. And as much as now, you know, I teach buy-in, right. And yep. I, that's part of every, the team development is that we are in this as partners together, but at the end of the day, this is the vision. That's where the leader comes in. He sets, right. he or she sets that vision and that tone. Yeah. Um, and he's like, he go, I go, wow. He said, yeah. And I said, well, what are you doing about it? What are you going to do? He's like, we are going back to, and in this particular case, one of those things was being fee for service. He's like, so, so how do we do that? How do you help, help us with the language, help us yep. with the thing, but it first starts with the mindset shift. So absolutely, it's not too late. In fact, while it's still new, while people are still happy to even be coming to the dentist and getting in, um, don't, don't start down the same path Right. If you know there's things that you are doing or your practice is doing that you don't love, that yep. you don't want to be doing, now's the time. Now's the time. When we did the interviews, we literally did it like an interview. We had, yeah. uh, we, we did it Zoom via Zoom because we were still out of the office. And we asked the same questions we would ask a candidate if they were new to the practice. Obviously, yeah. it's, a little, it's a little stranger, a little more complicated. Yep. Uh, because we have this relationship, but I found it really effective. In fact, what I was wondering, and I haven't spoken to you about this yet, Jerry, but I almost feel like we should be doing this annually. Like we have an annual review. I wonder if we should be having an annual interview. So let me, let me answer that two ways. First, I don't like annual reviews. Okay. Now and today and performance shows, and we could go forever talking about data and performance, but we, have, we need more frequent review. Okay. Review and preview of our work, not once a year. By the time a year comes, it's too late. If you wanted Susie Q sure. to develop and do something different, and she hasn't been, why? Why would you wait for a year to tell her that or, or him Absolutely. that? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so number one, I think reviews should be done every three months. Okay. And feedback, though, should be constant, always, yes. often. Right. But I like this idea of a yearly, basically a check-in and say, you know, how do you feel about this position? And let's, I want to talk to you. I want to interview you again. Right, because how many, how many times, uh, and I'll sort of speaking to the dentists out there, how many times, you know, the question is, when we are, when we are interviewing a new candidate, we will call their, uh, their references. And the question we ask every time is, would you rehire this person for this role? Mm -hmm. And that's, that's sort of the thing that I, that I sort of think in a year from now, when I'm talking to our team members, the question I want to ask myself is, would I rehire you knowing what I've known over these last 365 days? 
Yeah. Because that then sets the table because very often we get into these, these reviews and, yes. and you're struggling, right? Because they haven't met certain marks that you've set out. There's, there's these struggles and whatever. Ultimately, sometimes we're, we're putting up with stuff and, and somewhat I think inside we're thinking, you know what, this, this person's just not right for this role anymore. Or maybe they never were right. And we've been trying to fit the square peg in this round hole. Yeah. And maybe this is a way to help us just have clarity that, you know, let's make sure that we have the people that we believe are going to support our mission and our, and our values throughout the practice. Absolutely. Well, and, and the thing is, I think not only are you doing yourself and your practice and your business a disservice by keeping people there that don't fit that, that shouldn't necessarily be there. Now, again, we're going to make the assumption, I'm going under the assumption that we we work with a coach or we regularly meet and train and give the yes. tools needed to, to do well in a, in a, in a role. And that's, that's a great point. Very about. important. But you're also doing a disservice to the person that you're retaining when you're unhappy with them. Right. It's yes. like staying in a relationship you shouldn't stay in. Right. right. How good does that feel for either person? Even if you never say it, mm-hmm. even if you never say, I don't think you should be here. I don't think you're right for this role. Yep. You don't, we know it, right? We, I I put myself in that guy. I was a team person or a manager or an administrator for 28 years. Right. right? But um, if if you feel that disconnect happen or that dissatisfaction, but we don't necessarily even know what it is, we don't feel that great either. But it's also, what is that? What's that phrase? The devil you know is better than the devil you don't. So we stay. We stay in our jobs, we stay in our positions, we stay in relationships um, when we shouldn't. Right. So when we free somebody up, some, even when it's hard and yep. it hurts, wow. How, how often have we seen that even in sports, right? Where a player gets traded to an, who has been started off and maybe as an all-star, they thought we thought they were going to be great. And then they, they aren't showing up great in this team. Yep. They cut them loose. They get trained. The fans and the rest of the team is hurt. Like what, what, what happened? But then they go to somewhere else and they thrive. Right. Yep. Okay, so if we hold on to people and just be unhappy with them, but retain them, they don't get to thrive either. Yeah. I think that's a great point. So when we're talking about interviewing, uh, I think that you're onto something that's uh, maybe going to challenge us on the way that we have classically been interviewing. And I know this has changed over the years, right? When we, when we were interviewing 30 years ago, it's much different. The questions I ask yes. today are far different than the questions that I asked when I was a young dentist. Part yeah. of that's me, but part of it is sort of the culture of interviewing and getting to know our, um, you know, these interviewees at a different level. Yeah. So walk, walk me through what, what you're thinking as far as how we should be considering our interview process. Well, it's changed tremendously even for me. This has been a revelation even in these last three months myself. And because of so much, like, what are we doing? I've actually started a series um, and I'm going to be talking on that we should be auditioning instead of interviewing. So, so, so define that for me. So what's, what do you see is different for, from auditioning and how does it play out in a dental practice versus interviewing? Tell, tell me what you're thinking. Well, let me, let me start this way, Dennis. You asked me the question, what do you think are the biggest mistakes that we as dentists or 
or business owners make in hiring. Right. I, I'm going to answer a couple of those, if, if that's okay, here first before yeah, I, I would, really answer that. I, I, would, I would love it because I can tell you, having spoken to my colleagues, we have all made mistakes. And I'm wondering if there's some similar threads with those mistakes uh, before we talk about, okay, what do we do differently and then what do we do yeah. better? So here's the, here's the common mistakes. One is we hire when we're desperate. Sure, so we, absolutely. So we only look for talent and additions to our team when we need it versus constantly looking for and making space for talent and growth for our team. Okay. So when we hire out of desperation, we make bad choices. For Pretty sure. much when we do anything out of desperation, we make poor choices, right? Yes. Um, or we move somebody into a position that just because they were an amazing chairside assistant, rock star, run, doesn't not mean they can actually lead your practice or your team mm-hmm. or be a treatment coordinator or whatever it is. So that's one mistake. Uh, the other is something you just said. We actually don't check references. Historically, especially in our industry, for some reason, and I think, again, because we're desperate, we, we need that chairside assistant. So especially yep. in a practice that's already up and rolling, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. So. We don't check references. Not, and I don't mean uh, references as in here. Here's my list of people that think I am amazing. Right. But here's my past employers. Mm-hmm. Ask them if they'd hire me back. Yep. We have to be careful of what we ask, right? Sure. So yep. For labor laws and things like that. But so so there's those two things. Jared, so can I, I can, yeah? Can I ask you about the first one? So, I, and you and I have spoken about this and. The idea of interviewing or keeping, keeping uh, availability, keeping looking for, for great team members, right? Looking for that unicorn. Yeah. But I want to I flip it around. I want to ask on the reverse side. So if you have a team that knows that you constantly are looking for that unicorn, yeah. Is there two risks? Is there a risk that the team members are going to be like, well, you know, if they're always on the look to replace me, yeah. maybe that I should be on the look to find something that's going to give me more job stability. So that, that's one of the things that concerns me is that would, they, would the team members be thinking not about making the team better, about, but rather about them getting replaced? And thus, are we going to end up losing loyalty from our team members if they think that they're always sort of on the auction block, right? That we're always looking at someone who might be able to do their position or any position better. That's what makes me nervous. So um, yes and. I don't think it has to be that way. And what I also mean by being constantly looking is not that you not are constantly running an ad. Okay. Right. But that we all interact with people all the time. Yep. And we meet people from other offices or we go to a dental meeting or we go to Starbucks. Right. We go to the same Starbucks or the same whatever. And we're like, man, this person, I, does she, he or she, I feel so good every time I come in here and do it. I would love someone like that on my team. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I mean that you're constantly looking and then constantly accepting applications and or inviting people to come and, and even just explore it. 
but it has to be a cultural piece of the practice. It has to be a conversation that you have with your team, that it's not about that I'm looking that if you're not good or you mess up, that you're out of here because I can replace you in a heartbeat because that's actually not true. Right. We actually right. can't replace people in a heartbeat. No. Um, no. I, I was uh, studying some data on how we hire and um, as humans, and, and even like, should we go to some robotic sort of computer generated algorithm type sure. way of hiring mixed with, you know, the human bias, right? Because mm -hmm. we all have a bias in hiring. But that we could, if we interviewed 100 people, that we might actually only place eight of those 100 in the right roles. This is by robotic, by a robotic no, system. this is us. Oh, this is us. Okay. Yeah. All right. This because we're us. so bad, because we are just bad at it. Because we have our biases. We, we all have, have our biases. We have, um, you know, people say things we listen to. There's key things that are for me that it would be like, oh my gosh, I think you would be amazing at sure. this. Or yep. whatever it is, but we don't often get people in the right role. So if I, 100 people, and I only was successful at placing eight of those in the right position, that mm -hmm. is not a good enough that's not good enough for me. No, I would right. agree. So, which is why, again, just like constantly looking at talent. I think of it as sports. Like, let's think about Tom Brady for a second. Not New right. England Patriot fans, sorry. No, no, mm. no, no. I have no allegiance. Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay fans now. Uh, yeah, right. So he was rejected by what? Like, I think I have a note here. He was rejected by like 30 teams. Well, 30 teams five times because he was a six-round right. draft choice. Right. 30 yep. teams five times said, no, thanks. I don't yeah. think so, right? Because for all kinds of different reasons, the same sort of thing we look at in hiring people for our, our teams. Well, and then look at what he became, right? Right. Um, yeah. And there's lots of other examples of that where we have passed over or a company has passed over something or somebody, the person that invented WhatsApp, right? Rejected out of, for like, I don't know how many jobs right. in the corporate and techie world and then he turned around and created WhatsApp, sold it nine years later for $19 billion. So going back to like, will the team have loyalty? I don't think that does or doesn't breed loyalty. Loyalty comes from the relationship and the culture. How do you make me feel as a team member on your team? And am I getting to do my best work? Right, so then I'm gonna flip that again for just a second. I just want to share one thing with you. Maya Angelou said, long after you're gone, people are not going to remember what you did or what you said. They're going to remember how you made them feel. So exactly yeah. what you say. Right? Yep. Now, as a team member, so, and I talk about this with team members a lot. When they tell me this fear, I think, you know, or that I feel like I'm going to get fired or if I don't, you know, this or mm -hmm. they're always this. I said, then you better make yourself so invaluable to that practice or that business or that team that they would never want to replace you. Right, right. No matter who they meet, mm -hmm. right? Like, so, um, so it goes both ways. So yes, there's a fear of that. And certainly if you presented it in a fearful way or a mm -hmm. threatening way, yeah, who's gonna, I, that would not be comfortable to think that right. at any minute, and on the flip side of that, you better make yourself so valuable that you aren't threatened, no matter who they bring in no matter what the doctors out there doing or are looking for. That's a great point. So when you're, when you're talking about now, instead of interviewing people, 
-hmm. You said that you want to actually, what was the term that you used? Audition. Audition people. So talk to me about this. So what is, what's your different mindset here? So when you think about, you know, if you're familiar with, so when someone auditions for a show, a play, uh, a movie, uh, anything, when you have, if you have right. to audition to do something, uh, what typically happens in an audition, right, is that the directors and the people who are looking for to cast this thing, they have a script, a scene mm-hmm. that they want read. You know, they bring you in, you, you're going to read this script or do a scene. And, but they don't tell you, we're looking for this, we want this, the person acts like this, they, do, none of, they don't say any of that. They just give you a script. They just give you a script. Mm-hmm. And then they let you interpret and deliver what you're going to deliver on like basically what you show what it what it played out for you how did how did that script show up for you and then how did you act it out Mm -hmm. right um if they're interested more then they start to give you a little bit of direction okay and they say so now i want you to do that same scene but now think of it this way Think of that person is, you know, grumpy and mad and they're whatever. Um, and, and, or they give you another little tidbit insight into this character that you don't have from just the script. Sure. And then you're like, oh, right. And so then they want to see now, how do you adapt? How did you pivot? How did you handle that? How can, can you, can you actually act or are you mm-hmm. just one way? Sure. Um, Right, so it got me thinking about this, and actually, my one of my go-to heroes is a is an organizational psychologist by the name of Adam Grant. Sure. And um, and he was he's been talking about this very thing also. So rather than what we often do in an interview, right, is I talk to you about what what I'm wanting. I want this. I want that. This practice needs this. We believe in this. We're this. Right. So now you've just told me all the things. Now, whether it's conscious or not, now I'm going to try to show up and meet those things. Right. Of course. Right. You're going to parrot it, right? You're going to, you're going to, you're going to do, because you know, that's, that's the key to get success is that you have to do what they've said they like. Yeah. This is what they want. So I, and I want the job, so I'm going to do that. But really that's not, that's outside of my norm or that's not my, how I normally handle something. So, so instead what if we gave them situations like you know, in our industry or in our practice, Jerry, um, we have team meetings every week. We have an hour and a half long team meeting. And sometimes those team meetings get, you know, I'm just making something up now. They get boring. They get, nobody participates. They get stuck in the mud. How would you handle that? Tell me what you would do in that scenario, right? So let's say you're hiring for a leadership role or a management role. Right. Right. But instead of asking, tell me what you did in your past jobs that made you a good leader, right? Well, we're we're all going to draw from and bring our bag of, here's all the perfect, wonderful things I've done. We're not as eager to share with you where we failed or where we might be challenged by something. So I want to know things like, what would you do in this situation? You've never worked in dentistry or you have, but you worked in a different practice and every practice is different. This is what we do here. And this is a challenge. How would you handle that? What might you do here? So let me extrapolate. Let's say I'm interviewing for a dental assistant, a chair-side dental assistant, mm-hmm. and we have patients who are particularly anxious. Would, would it be a situation where either myself or we have a team member that would sit in the dental chair as a patient, and we would ask the person who's applying for the dental assist, assistant role, 
and watch as we have our person, our performer, uh, play a really stressed out patient and see how the dental assistant who's applying for that position, see how they react to that. Is that, what, is that sort of what you're thinking? Um, it, it might be. Um, I think it, a little more gradually that way, but yeah, let's, let's play out some scenarios. Now, certainly, you know, when you're interviewing, you're nervous. Sure. When you're, you know, and now you're putting me in a weird situation. It's actually not a real situation, but it's a, it's a contrived yep. situation, mm -hmm. but, but okay. But if we set that up right, we get to see how they would respond, how mm -hmm. they handle that. Right. Cause one of the other mistakes that we make is we don't do skills assessments. Right. We, especially for administrative roles. So I'm going to flip that back to the assisting and our hygiene side in a second. But administratively, we think, okay, if you interview me and you think, oh, isn't she charming or isn't she sure. whatever? And she can talk really well and she, this, that, and the other thing. Well, I might be horrific and toxic to your team once I'm there and on site, right? Or mm -hmm. I actually might not know how to even work a computer. But I can so talk about them. All right, so how do we do skills assessment for an admin person? Well, so both. To say, you, so then going back to assisting too, but for an admin person, um, and I'm still starting to tweak this myself, Dennis, because what I had recommended and done in the past, and even for my own when I was hiring, is I want that person to come in. Mm -hmm. I want them just to spend time with the team. Do they engage? Do they stand back like a wallflower because, oh, I'm new or I'm just here for an interview and I'm just going to observe and watch or do they engage, mm. right? I let them engage and just kind of know things. I tell them, so here we, when we take a new patient phone call, we do A, B, and C. Mm -hmm. I show them that a couple of times and they say, here, I'm going to let you take the next one. Great. Now, are they going to be perfect? No, of course not. No, of course not. But right. how, if they're like, oh, no, 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 gosh, no, I'm, I'd be too nervous. Then you're like, eh. <laughs> to me, right. I'm like, eh. if they're like, okay, yeah, let's do this. And then they try, right? So I give them specific things to do that we actually do in the practice. So I don't do silly things that I think actually don't tell you anything about a person's ability and or what they would contribute to your role, like take a math test or do a typing test like so I didn't I'm not a typer right but I could I'm highly skilled and qualified to have a role in your um, your administrative team and, and or be your practice administrator and or definitely I have no skills for chair side assisting we, we already know this but right. um but you're giving me a typing test what does that tell you about me nothing it tells you it didn't take typing, especially in millennials. They didn't take typing in school like we had to in, in mm -hmm. our 50-year-old selves. Mm -hmm. so, um, so I look for things. Give them scenarios. Give them things to do. And even if they are a little bit contrived. So going back to that chair side. So even think about your hygienist. Mm -hmm. What do we do? We bring them in. We want mm -hmm. them to do a skills assessment. Sure. But we do it on – we let them on to our patients. Yes, we, we do. We let them – interact with our prized possessions, our yep. patients. So what we know about our patients and what we know about people in general is, you know, even if they have a really bad experience or they didn't think it was that great, they're not likely to really tell you. It's right. got to be pretty bad, pretty bad or pretty great for yep. them to actually mm -hmm. say anything.
Mm -hmm. So what if you said, I, you know, one of the things we do here um, that's really important, I'm trying to think of something that a hygienist would do that they might not be super comfortable with. So forgive me if I get this wacky nut. Um, I think like palatal, like a palatal injection. Mm -hmm. That is not easy to do. It's not nice to get mm -hmm. as a patient. But if you said, all right, I'm your patient. Give me a palatal shot. Or even like a block if they're going to be doing the SCR. Yeah. Thing, right. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Now, yep. again, they're going to be nervous, but you say like, sure. you know, but if they're now, if they're brand, brand new. Sure. Maybe let's think of something else that might not be quite so traumatic, but some, some level of like, let it have them do that for you on you. Or like you said, on one of your team members. Right. So that yeah, you, I, they can get, you can get some feedback on that. Yeah. I think that's a great point, right? I think if we can get them in doing some skill or skill assessment, Right, that's sort of like the audition, right? So that we can then measure how they, you know, on this very short snapshot, right? That's a problem. It's it's going to be we don't have we're not going to be giving them a lot of time here. Right. But we do. We maybe spend a couple hours with them or half a day or whatever. But we want to get this snapshot and understand at a very basic level: is this somebody who has enough of the skills that we can then train to be higher skilled? And yeah. they have, you know, um, these other essential qualities that we'll talk about soon. That, yeah. and that's sort of like the, the way just to make sure that we have this basic information that they can be part of, part of the team. Absolutely. I mean, we're, 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 the other mistakes are, you know, we're quick to hire and slow to fire instead of reverse. And you've right. been having me preach this to you um, for the last couple of months. And it's painful. Right? It's yep. painful. You're like, Jerry, please, can I just hire this person because I'm done interviewing people? No, right. Mistake. Right. I'd rather that we found some other ways to deal with the challenges of being shorthanded than to hire too quickly. Because the other thing that we do is once we hire, we think we can't let them go. Mm -hmm. Yep. We don't want to do the process all over again. So we hold on to people we shouldn't. Right. And we don't want to get a bad name that we're one of these, these offices that have all this turnover. Um, you know, patients can, can question us, boy, what happened to, you know, you know, right. you know Jerry, that was uh, at the front, you know, and it seems like you've had a lot of people at the front desk lately. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's a, you know, quite honestly, you just have to have a simple conversation. Yeah. We're looking for the perfect person. We're looking for the right person for this role. And we're going to keep on looking until we find that, that awesome person. But that, those are difficult conversations and it can yep. feel a little embarrassing when people are sort of questioning you on that. Yep. So I think that's a lot of reason why we say, let's just stick it out because we got someone, they're a known, they're a known entity, the patient knows them, right? So that's, that's obviously the challenge. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the other thing is, again, going back to an audition, they don't give you a whole lot of information. Um, they give you some, but what I want to know when I'm interviewing somebody is I don't want them so much to know. Now, eventually I tell them, right? It's not that I never tell them what we're looking for, but I want to know what they're looking for. What, why are they here? Why, hmm. why are they auditioning for Chicago Beautiful Smiles? I'm sorry. Look, I'm already saying auditioning instead of interviewing, but why are you interviewing for Chicago Beautiful Smiles? Why this role? What about this ad appealed to you? Mm-hmm. And then I listen for the things that they say, and then I want more information about that. Because hmm. what I found a few times in recently, because there's several of you that are hiring, either because you did make this shift during the, the shutdown and or we as employees and team members actually 
reevaluated our right. lives too. I've, I have found a couple that are definitely not right for the role they're interviewing for, but they would be amazing for something else in my business or practice. And I then ask them if they're open, if this is the only role that they're interested in, or would they be open to another idea? So for instance, you put an ad in for a practice administrator, someone applies for that role, but they would actually be a great scheduling coordinator. Yeah. Then you have that conversation that I don't see that you necessarily have the skills for our office for being a practice administrator, but you would be, you know, we think that you would have great skills for doing this role. Are you open to that? Yeah. Right. Because I think a lot of people do just, uh, you know, when they're, when they're answering ads, I think a lot of them are just going to answer anything, right? It's dental related, you know, and they're, and they're thinking, you know, maybe I could be that practice administrator. Yes. Uh, but then when you start talking about the role and the, and define the responsibilities, maybe they can start to see that, well, maybe, maybe I don't have the skills that I thought I did that I need to have for this particular position. And maybe right. it's about the office, what attracted me to the office. I can be part of this and maybe learn these skills and be able to, you know, grow from there. Exactly. Yep, exactly. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And I think that when, you know, again, the challenge is, is that when you're going through this interview process for the dentist, as we're interviewing, we're like sort of just beelined. I got to get this person. And it's hard to sort of get off of that and realize that we have a whole practice, a whole team. Yeah. That we have to continue to, to be worried about and to make sure that we're cultivating. Yeah, absolutely. Jerry, um, at, at our next uh, meeting, I want to talk about how to sort of identify the ideal team player. Mm. Um, so we've talked about, you know, about now we're going back and we've done this, uh, this, this interview process or, um, you know, as you describe it, this audition process. Um, so we're, we're going through this, but there's a lot more to it than that, right? Because we... We can look for these clinical, um, technical skills, yeah. right? Yeah. Can, they, can they answer the phone? Um, can they work the computer? Do they have some, uh, some ability to be, you know, to do cheer side or to do hygiene? And that's yeah. part of it, that skills assessment, yeah. right? But we need to know that they fit into the culture of the practice, whatever your culture is that you've defined, right? Correct. And so um, at our next meeting, what I'd like to do is talk about how do we, what are we looking for in these team members? How do we, how do we uh, know that we're, we're bringing in an ideal candidate? And besides skills, what else are we looking for? So let's, let's do this. Um, I want to wrap it up for our sharecast today. And then at our next meeting, we're going to sort of do a deep dive into what are we looking for? What, what are the essential qualities, maybe the emotional qualities that we're looking to complement the clinical skills or the technical skills that these um, prospective employees and our own current team members yep. um, have so that we can have this awesome team? Yeah. How's that sound? Sounds great. All right. Well, listen, I want to thank everybody for hanging out with us during this sharecast. I hope that you found this information useful and valuable and something that you can bring immediately into your practice as we all struggle to build this ideal team. I think the advantage that we have in dentistry is that is the same thing we have as a disadvantage. We are CFO. We are the HR. We, we are everything. So the good part about it is we do get to control our destiny. 
Uh, the bad part is we do get to control our destiny. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's, a, it's the, yin and the, the yin and the yang is that we, we have ultimate control of this. As such, as Jerry advised, we have to slow down the process, right? As you discussed, we're quick to hire, slow to fire. So slowing down the process, as painful as that is, can we get the right, the right candidate? We'll talk in later meetings about how to onboard those candidates. But I think first we have to add our next meeting, we're going to talk about what are those emotional qualities that we're looking for so that we can bring in a person that's going to fit into the culture of our practice. So until next time, Jerry, thanks for joining us. Uh, we'll look forward to talking to you soon and we'll meet you at our next ShareCast. Thank you.